We have an opportunity today because Pastor Tim's on vacation, and uh, I feel like the, the message that God has kind of laid on my heart to share today is uh, one that fits in really well, as Doug mentioned, with where we're at in our study in the book of Ephesians. Because we all do realize we are in the midst of a battle, and, and every day you and I are facing an enemy that wants to destroy us. And so we're, we're studying, putting on the armor of God in our lives. And, and where uh, we're going to be today uh, is in the book of Colossians chapter 3. And the reality is that all of us struggle with sin. Just because you have come to know Christ as your Savior does not mean that the struggle with sin is over in our lives. And while we're not really going to talk about it in great depth today, in Colossians 3, chapter 1, we see the ultimate solution for, for sin. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The solution, the ultimate solution for sin is the gospel. And you and I, if we're going to have victory over sin in our life, must be in Christ. That means we have to know that we are sinners who are saved only by grace, not by our own merit. There's no way that we could earn our salvation. There's no way we could earn peace with God. And when we know that, then you and I are adopted into the family of God, and you and I are in Christ. And so I think it's really important that we understand that as we start this morning because we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about then what it means to be in Christ. Instead, we're going to dive right into what it means to put sin to death in our lives. But let me be very clear. If you are not in Christ, the steps that we're going to talk about this morning are taken from Scripture and they can be a little bit helpful to you, but you cannot have ultimate victory over sin in your life until you are in Christ. Otherwise, this would be just like you know, moralistic relativism. We come, we look at the Bible, and I tell you how you can live a better life now. That's not what we're going to be doing. What we're talking about is what it means to be a disciple in Christ and what it means to daily try to live by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is only possible if you and I actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're saved by the grace of God, but after we are saved, we must be willing to walk with Christ, to walk in step with the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that means battling the sin that is in us, battling against our sinful flesh, and battling against the enemy who wants to see us destroyed. So let's read then in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 15. If then you have... 5 through 15. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 
So we're also not going to go through this passage of Scripture and, and examine each and every character quality of sin or the character quality of holiness that we're told to put on. Instead, we're going to be looking at this as kind of our platform for diving into how you and I can actually battle against sin in our lives. What can it look like for you and I with whatever sin that you are struggling with? What are some steps that you can take? What are some things that Scripture tells us to do so that you can put off the old way of life, the sinful nature that we all struggle with, and put on the new nature which we have, which is ours, which has been granted to us if we are in Christ. And I want you to know that a lot of this is being taken directly from John Owen, Overcoming Sin and Temptation. And the slides that you're going to see, uh, I'm really not that artistic. Those are taken from a book, Visual Theology, uh, Seeing and Understanding the Truth About God, which is a book that our teens studied last summer uh, together. It's just a visual representation of some scriptural concepts which help us to think through and to understand uh, these theological principles more effectively in our lives. But some things I want us to to understand from the book of Colossians as our uh, launching point is it's important for us to understand that in verse 7, you too once walked. This is all about our old nature versus our new nature in Christ. Everything that we're going to be talking about, putting to death the old nature and living in the new nature which we have already been given in Christ. And everyone has that fallen sinful nature. Even after we're in Christ and we've been redeemed, and we've been adopted into the kingdom, you and I still have that fallen sinful nature that we still struggle with. Continuing in verse 9, it says, You have, uh, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So this message is all about becoming that which God has already called us to be. We've already put off that, new, that old nature. It, it should be dead. But we still have to live in that new nature in, in the way that God has called us. And so we're going to be looking at that putting off and putting on concept and applying it specifically to sins that you and I might struggle with in our lives. And like I said, we're not going to talk about specific sins, but there's a great list uh, of sins there. There's sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry, uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Whatever sin you struggle with in your life, you can have victory through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You can have victory overcoming those things. You can have victory overcoming that fallen, sinful nature. Romans 8.29, this is also part of a message that I, uh, a series of messages that I shared with uh, the uh, middle school students at Barakel last week. I was speaking there. Uh, Some folks asked me how my vacation was, and I said, well, I preached 10 times in five days. Um, It was very relaxing. Uh, but uh, for them, I I spent a lot of the week talking about what it means to be in Christ. And one of the verses that I called to their attention is in Romans 8.29, For those whom you foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And that's really what we're talking about this this morning is, is how is God going to conform you and I into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect holy one who died on the cross for us? What's the process that God is going to use to, to help you and I become more and more like Christ each and every day? 
And the first thing that I want us to examine in our own lives is that we have to evaluate ourselves. That's, that's the first thing I want us to, to understand. And, and you and I need to see that, that this evaluation process means that you and I have to take a deep look at ourselves and truly be honest. No one knows you like you other than God himself. So we have to realize that, that we have to take the time to actually look inside of us and, and really identify those areas in our life that we are struggling. Yes, if you're married, your spouse can tell you the areas in your life that you're struggling with. Yes, hopefully all of us have a brother or sister in Christ who is like iron sharpening iron and, and can help us to point out the areas where we're struggling in Christ. But you and I have to commit to examining where we're at in our walk with the Lord. And, and if you're not sure where you're at, then you need to turn to God. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Everlasting. See if there's any wickedness in me, Lord. Search me, try me, know me. God, you know my heart. I'm crying out to you so that you will reveal to me those things in my life which grieve you. God, I need to know what areas of my life am I, am I falling short of? God, what areas of my life are holding me back from having the life in Christ that you really truly want me to have and that you called me to? And we need to be willing to, to evaluate ourselves. But that's not an easy process. It's a painful process. And, and because it's painful, most people try to become like the ostrich. They put their head in the sand. They try to pretend that there's not anything going on. But in the quietness of our hearts, when we're having time with the Lord, if you and I are truly examining ourselves, we know there is brokenness, there is sin, there's weakness, there's flaws. And in fact, sometimes we'll, sometimes we'll try to minimize those things and we'll just say, well, this is, you know, this is just a weakness in my life. This is a bad habit. This is, this is this, that, or the other thing. When we're evaluating, we really need to call sin, sin. And that's part of the evaluation process because sin, sin can become habitual in our lives. Most of these sins that were listed in Colossians 3 are the kind of besetting sins that really gain uh, traction in our life and, and, and gain root and hold us in those patterns of sin. And those can be hard to identify if it's just become so natural to who you are. You might say, oh, this is just what I do. This is just my downtime. This is just how I relax. This is whatever, whatever, whatever. We make all sorts of excuses and we need to be a, willing to truly identify and evaluate the sins that are in our lives and realize that there are some sins in our life that have more serious consequences than others. We need to be willing to identify those things. In Hebrews 12, we're going to be jumping around to a lot of passages of Scripture, uh, and so they will mostly all be on the screen. Hebrews 12:1, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, in sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I like the, uh, the NIV translation of that, the sin that so easily entangles us. We can so easily get enmeshed in sin in our lives, entangled in sin, caught up in sin, that, that, that it clings to us so closely that we don't even identify it in our lives as sin. And that's part of the enemy's plan. So that's why, because it clings to us so closely, you and I have to take those steps back in our lives, take those moments and really ask God to search our hearts and identify those areas in our life which we have to change 
to put off the old self and to put on the new self and to put that sin to death. Because if we're not going to identify a sin in our life, we will never take the, sins to over, the steps to overcome that sin in our life. If we're not willing to, to identify a weakness and sin pattern in our lives, we will never make the effort to put that sin to death. So that is the first thing that I want us to, to see is that, that, that Paul to the Colossians, he identifies, he evaluates, he, or he calls them to evaluate and identify these specific sins in their life. And then the next step is that he calls us to fill. Now, see, this is not like being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not uh, that kind of filling. Uh, This is a filling up of our minds of the heinousness and the grievousness of our sins. Because it's really easy for you and I uh, to say, well, you know what? I'm so much better than that guy. Like, yes, I sin in this area, but that guy over there, man, he is so much worse than me. And look at her. Look at what she does. Like, I would never do that. So I'm much better than that. We, we tend to characterize and, and to evaluate our lives based on other people instead of what God says about our sins. We will say things like, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, there are, there are a lot of Christians who are involved with this, that, or the other thing. And because that's what I'm involved with, then I, I don't think it's that big of a deal that I'm involved with it. So I must be fine because look at all these other people that are involved with these things. You see, we easily lie to ourselves about our sin. That's why even when we're trying to identify the sins in our lives, oftentimes we don't see them as serious in our lives. So we need to fill our minds with, with what God tells us about our, wor- uh, about our sin from his word. The Holy Spirit will be convicting us of sin in our lives sometimes. And instead of listening to the Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin when we're in that evaluation process, we'll say, well, it's just really not that big of a deal. It's so easy for us to lie to ourselves. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says this, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. You and I need to do a better job of of, of having godly grief in our lives. And that godly grief means that that when I'm evaluating myself, then I see sin, I actually fill my mind with how deeply God is grieved by my sin. How this this isn't just a sin against my brother or sister. This isn't just a sin against my spouse. My sin is a sin against God and his holy perfection And he's called me to be like his son, and he's called me to to live a life that's pleasing to him. And when I do these things, when I continue in these patterns of sin, I'm grieving God. You see, we oftentimes don't want to feel the weight of sin. I mean, that is one of the best news about the the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, is that I do not have to face eternal consequences for my sin. Even though I rightly deserve hell and separation from God because of my sin, Christ died for my sins so that he could take that punishment and I could have his righteousness. But that doesn't mean that, that there aren't consequences of sin still in my life. And when I'm sinning, I need to feel the weight of that sin and I need to understand that even in Christ, when I continue to sin, I'm, I'm grieving God. And you and I are, are called to live a life that pleases God and, and can glorify Him through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 
And so, so that's what we should be called to do. And, and we need to feel the weight of our sin in our lives. That means we need to uh, let it weigh upon our souls. Like we can't minimize it. We can't just pass it off as not a big deal because any sin is a big deal. And, and that should lead to like godly sorrow because godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Like godly understanding of our sin leads us to genuine repentance and then the freedom that we have that's already been given to us and promised to us because of our salvation. And that doesn't mean that God wants us to beat us up over our sins, beat ourselves up over our sins, but he does want us to to identify them and recognize them and to confess that, yes, these are the sins that I'm struggling with and they do grieve God. And that's what truly understanding our sin will do for us. It will, will call us to repentance and it will call us back into a deeper and stronger relationship with God. And the good news is that in Christ he's done everything necessary to accomplish our salvation and to draw us back to him every time that we sin. We have freedom and grace and mercy. But we need to identify those sins in our life and we need to fill our minds with the weight of sin and how it does grieve God because then we'll see it as serious and then we'll see it as something we should deal with. The next step that I want us to look at and identify is is that we need to then long. We need to long for God and his holiness. Only after our sin has been identified and we truly see the weight of it uh, in our lives, then will we really and truly begin to be ready to move on. Only if we see it as serious and, and, and something that has to be dealt with, then we will begin to hopefully long for the solution, long for freedom from this sin. And I want us to be clear, like, it's not because we, it shouldn't be because we're ashamed of our sin, although we should be. And it's not because of our, our guilt because of our sin or because we're embarrassed that uh, we get caught. We should be motivated and longing for moving on and pursuing holiness in our life because that's what God wants for us. Because God has called us to live a life of holiness that reflects his character and nature to the world around us. And that's the kind of longing that we should have in our lives regarding our sin. Not a longing to, to be seen uh, as better in the eyes of our co-workers. Not a longing to, to minimize the consequences of the sin in our lives. But a longing to carefully and accurately reflect the character and nature of our loving God to the world around us. Only when we see the seriousness of our sins will we truly have that kind of a longing. Only when we see the the true nature of our sin will we have that kind of desire for God's deliverance from our sin. Psalm 34, 17 says this, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. When when we are in Christ and we cry out to God, he longs to deliver us from our troubles. He longs to deliver us from our patterns of sinfulness. You and I need to know and understand that God has a greater desire for our holiness in our lives than even we do. Because when you and I respond in a holy way, the world around points to God because it's impossible for Chad to live in the kind of way that I'm talking about. But by the power of God in me, God can get the honor and the glory by me living a holy and righteous life set apart in this new life in Christ. 
You can't fix your sin problems. I can't fix my sin problems. But God can fix our sin problems. And he longs to deliver us from those things. Galatians 5.1 says it this way. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. When you came to a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were set free from sin. But so often, you and I, we submit ourselves again. We get back under that yoke of slavery. We get back into that sinful nature. We get back into the sinful habits. And, and we put ourselves under that yoke of slavery. But you and I can have victory over sin. And we shouldn't be submitting ourselves again and putting ourselves back under the, that sin in our lives. Because God has given us the freedom in Jesus Christ. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. And don't submit again to the yoke of slavery in your life. But we have to long for that. It's not just going to happen. We have to long for that in our lives. And we have to have that as our desire. The next thing that I, that I see in the scriptures that, that challenge us with this is that you and I then must consider we need to look our sin in the eye and realize that it's our brokenness that causes us to sin. We all have choices to make. You know, I don't know how you grew up. I don't know how you were raised. I don't know what your marriage is like. I don't know what your job is like. I don't know all of those things about you. But I do know that as Americans, we often like to use all of those things as an excuse for our sin and brokenness. And yes, I might have this sin problem, but it's because I was raised by gypsies. Yes, I might, I might struggle with anger, but you don't know how terrible people are. I, yes, I might struggle with gossip, but have you seen all the things that these people are doing? Someone needs to point those things out. Right? We, we'll make all sorts of reasons and excuses instead of just saying that it's, it's my brokenness. I have a choice to make. And I choose to respond in sin instead of giving these things over to God and allowing him to deal with it. We, we, we've, got to stop making, we've, got, we've got to stop making excuses in our life and instead recognize and confess that these things are sin and brokenness in, in my life and in your life. It's not your mom's fault. It's not your dad's fault. It's not your brother or sister's fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's not your friend's fault. It's not your spouse's fault. It's your fault. You are choosing to sin. I am choosing to sin. And I am choosing to, to stay in sin instead of confessing those things to the Lord and asking God to give me victory and to allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life. The hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, has, has this stanza in it. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. O oh, to grace how great of debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let your goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The author of Come Thou Found understood this, putting off and putting on. We're, we're so confounded by the, the world and sin and so drawn, rather, to sin that, that we're prone to wander in our life. And, and we are a debtor to sin. But that's not what God would want for us. We need to instead bind ourselves to God's word, bind ourselves to who he is, bind my wandering heart, Lord, to yours. But we need to understand that it's the daily choices that I make that choose that. How are you going to 
choose today? Are you going to choose to bind yourself to the world or are you going to choose to bind yourself to God and his word? Am I going to choose to, to obey myself and my own sinful flesh? Or am I going to choose to obey God and his word? You and I have those kinds of choices to make. And it's not always comfortable when we identify those areas in our lives and, and, and then we have to decide what are we going to do with it. Are we going to look it in the eye and say that it's someone else's fault? Or are you and I going to consider the fact that we have made these choices? In Colossians 3 it says, Put on then as God's cho- uh, chosen ones, holy and beloved, These character qualities, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body. And then I love at the end of verse 15, Paul reminds me of myself here. And he's like, oh, and by the way, be thankful. Like, that's just a little thing all to itself. Oh, by the way, be thankful. You need to, you need to get rid of all these, this, this nasty yuck and mess in your life, these sinful things. You need to put on these things, these character qualities that are the fruits of the Spirit that can only come through a relationship with Christ. You need to put these things on in your life. And oh, by the way, be thankful. And I think that oh, by the way, be thankful is a reminder that I can't do this, you can't do this. It's only in Christ that any of this can happen. So you and I should be thankful that we are called into a relationship with God. You and I should be thankful that that we have been called to a relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. And, And because of that, we have the opportunity then to put on these things as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That is who we are. Ephesians 4, which we're going to add into the study tonight as we're going to continue this, talks about, or actually it's in Ephesians 1, talks about how we're chosen in God before the foundations of the earth. Pastor Tim preached on that like six months ago. But in our study of Ephesians, we've been looking at then what it looks like to be chosen in God before the foundations of the earth. That's what God says about us. And here, we're God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's how he sees us. You and I are are no longer that which we used to be. God has instead called us into that relationship chosen before the foundations of the earth. And we are holy and we are beloved. And so you and I then have to daily choose and consider. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What are the choices that you're going to make regarding your sin? Are you going to continue to treat it as, as not that Bad in God's eyes? Better than so-and-so. Are you going to see it as it truly is in grieving God and fill your mind with that? Are you going to consider what it is that you're doing and the choices that you're making to continue in these patterns of sin? Or are you going to try to blame others? All of us have those choices to make. The next thing that I want us to see in the Scripture is that we have to contemplate. You and I have to Formulate a plan in your brain. Dealing with sin is not something that we can just say, you know what, I'll wing it. It's not that big of a deal. I can just kind of wing it and I'll be just fine. You and I need to, as we're examining 
the sin patterns in our life, as we're asking God to identify these things in our life which grieve him and cause his kingdom and his name harm, then you and I need to identify what is the way, God, that I can begin to deal with this. Help me, God, to formulate this plan to deal with my gossip, to deal with my slander, to deal with my backbiting, to deal with my lack of respect for authority, to deal with my anger, etc., etc., etc. How do I deal with these things in my life, Lord? Romans 8, 13 tells us this. <coughs> Excuse me. By the Spirit, therefore, put to death the deeds of the body. By the Holy Spirit in our lives, we need to put to death the deeds of the body. The only way that we will be able to have a plan that effectively works is if we have a plan that will try to put these things to death in our lives. This is not a small matter. This is a big thing in our life. If you want God to use you, I I really think that there's a lot of times that Christians are like, God, I just wish that you would use me more effectively. But we're not willing to identify those areas in our life that are sinful patterns and then take the steps that are necessary to put that sin and those patterns to death. Identify the problems and then ask God to help you identify a pattern of solutions. Later tonight, there's going to be continuation of this message. So if you're not somebody that normally comes to the morning and the evening service, I apologize. Uh, This is part one and part two. It's really one message separated by an afternoon. And so we're going to continue to look at what that looks like to formulate this plan in our lives, to put off the old self and to put on the new self. And how do we put it to death in our life? But I can tell you this morning that that we have to actually contemplate what the plan is. And then we we need to identify radical steps to take in that plan to eliminate the sin in our lives. Matthew 18 says, if your eye causes you to sin, you should pluck it out. Tear it out, the ESV says. Pluck it out, NIV, I think, and King James says. If your eye causes you to sin, get rid of it. This isn't just because Jesus is, like, masochistic, right? He's not into body disfiguration. He's not, you know, buying into the new trends of the day. For it's better for me to go into eternity with one eye than to be sinning. See, sin is serious. Jesus identifies it as serious. And and, and so our plan has to be to deal with sin. And, and, and and, And the ultimate solution to that plan is that if I can't stop sinning, I need to identify what's causing me to sin and get rid of that sin in my life. Get rid of that in my life. Jesus even says if it's your eye, you pluck it out. Maybe there's friends that you are with that cause you to continually fall into patterns of sin. Maybe there's a coworker at work that, that when you get together with this coworker, you're constantly at the water cooler. You're not trying to build one another up. You're just constantly tearing everybody down around you. Maybe you need to get rid of that coworker in your life. Maybe you need to pluck those things out of your life because it's, it, it's the steps that you and I, the radical steps that you and I have to take to have victory over sin in our life. Now, I'm not saying that we always have to take radical steps. But if your 
battling sin and you are struggling, this is part of that process of understanding the depths of our own despair, our own need, and our own weakness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can have victory, but sometimes that takes getting rid of some things in our life. So we're going to look at the rest of that tonight, what the rest of the battle looks like. But I want to end on a positive note here this morning, because sometimes when, we're ta- when you're talking about sin, it just seems uh, so negative. In fact, it's the reason why there's a lot of pastors and preachers around our country that they don't even want to talk about sin. And they want to act like, well, once you come to Jesus, your life is all sunshine and rainbows. But the reality is, is that anybody who has a relationship with Christ, you know that your life is not all sunshine and rainbows after you came to know Christ as your Savior. So how are we going to to deal with these things in our lives? We have to completely and wholly, wholeheartedly, every day, run to the cross of Calvary. We need to run back to our relationship with, with God. Just as there's nothing that you and I could do to save ourselves from our sins, daily we need to be running back to Jesus because he's the only way that we can have victory over the sins in our lives. The gospel isn't just for the day that I became a Christian and was born again. The gospel message is each and every day of my life, understanding my own sin, my own brokenness, and my own need of a Savior. And running to God's word to see what it says about my sin and running to the cross of Calvary where I can have forgiveness and redemption from my sin. That's the glorious grace of the gospel and it's the same for you today as it will be when you're 80 or 90 or 100 or 114. I think somebody just became the oldest person in the world at 114. Hopefully the Lord takes me before that. I want to go be with him before I'm 114 years old. But if I live to be 114, my hope and my prayer, and I hope it would be yours as well, is that daily I want to cling to God. I want to bind my wandering heart to my loving God through Jesus Christ, my Savior, who's done everything necessary to accomplish my salvation. And he wants me to be conformed into his image so that God receives glory that is due to him because of who he is. That's where we're going to end for this morning. I do hope that you'll come back this evening. If you don't, it will be online. I would encourage you uh, to consider uh, listening to the end uh, of the message because it's not just enough to put off the old self. We have to put on the new self daily as well. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, I do thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in the hearts and lives of each and every believer. When we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have the power to have victory over sin. And yet, we oftentimes choose to submit ourselves again to the yoke of slavery. Father, I don't want to minimize the power of sin. I know how powerful it is in my life and in the life of everyone. And so, Lord, I pray that for those who are here this morning struggling with sin, that that you would call them into repentance, help them to identify the the sin in their life, the patterns that are causing it, the the issues that are are causing them to return again to sin. And, Father, I pray that you'd help them to uh, turn to you, turn to the cross, and turn to the gospel message. Father, thank you that we have freedom from sin available to us through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.